Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Citizen Chef is a production of iHeartRadio. My wife likes to joke around that I have the the soul of a, a Depression-era housewife because I save everything and work it into the following day's meal. So the other night we made peas. The following day, whatever, all the peas that were left over, they ended up in an omelet for breakfast the next day. I save it all. Are you kidding me? Repurposing is great. Hey, I'm Tom Colicchio, and you're listening to Citizen Chef. So starting about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, The term food waste was something that a lot of Americans started focusing on. There were a lot of organizations pointing out the amount of food that was wasted throughout the entire production system, uh, which was about 40% of all of the food produced in America. And again, there's food wasted on the farms. Food is left in the fields. When food gets into the processing plant, if it's not the right size, if there's any blemishes or bruises, it gets discarded. And then once it gets into the supermarket, plenty of food that is just not perfect ends up getting thrown out as well. Anything past their expiration date, milk that is perfectly fine, but it's past their expiration date. But that's a whole other conversation about how they actually come about. And at home, a consumer's waste between $1,500 to $1,800 a year, which is roughly 20 to 25% of the annual food budget. So just picture walking out of a grocery store with four bags and just dropping one and continuing to walk. That's what we're doing. And so there's a couple of companies that are doing something about it. There's a beer company that uses wasted bread to make beer. There's uh, in France, they actually made it illegal to throw out food. A lot of food gets donated to food banks and food pantries, but this really just scratches the surface. That was until I met Justin Kamine and his family business called Do Good Foods. They don't shy away from seeking big solutions to some of Earth's largest problems. And Do Good Foods realize that food is being thrown out and still has a tremendous amount of nutrient value. So they've come up with a way to take those nutrients uh, and sustainably produce animal feed. Again, this is nothing new when you think about it. For 
centuries, farmers have been taking food that was left over and been feeding it to their animals. In fact, I have chickens at my house and I usually feed them scraps, especially produce. I stay away from meat and, and obviously chicken, but I feed them lots of leftover produce and scraps. And they also spend a, a lot of time foraging for insects and things like that. So if we could capture those nutrients the very same day or, or, or immediately after and turn it into uh, a soil amendment or pelletized animal feed the very next day, we can create a healthier, more profitable and sustainable solution for our supermarkets and farmers and, and consumers. I mean, also, we are reducing the amount of corn and soy that we're feeding animals as well. And so hopefully we can take some of that, that farmland back and, and turn it into farmland that produces food, not just animal food. So this is the kind of problem solving that gets me excited, both as a chef, an activist, and a consumer. So I'm excited to introduce to you today, Justin Kamine from Do Good Foods. Justin, welcome to the Citizen Chef Podcast. Yeah, so great. Thank you for having me. Full disclosure, I'm an advisor to the company. There are estimates that between 30 to 40% of all food that is produced um, in the country and worldwide is is wasted. And there is waste throughout the entire uh, food production system uh, from the farmer straight through to the distributors, to supermarkets, and of course, the end user. Uh, estimates are uh, between $1,500 to $1,800 of food is thrown out uh, by the consumer every year. And you know, I guess about seven, eight years ago, um, this started to become an issue that you heard more and more about. And at, at first, it was quite shocking. And most people really didn't believe the numbers and they thought it couldn't be true. In fact, I remember uh, I was at a dinner party. I uh, I mentioned this and someone got angry at me and said, it's, it's impossible. It couldn't possibly be true. But we know it is. And so there's a lot of people that are trying to focus on this issue. Uh, anything from making beer from, from uh, you know, bread that's thrown out, lots of organizations working on the issue. But I, I still have not seen anyone that is actually tackling this issue to the size and scale and scope that do good chicken. Yeah, so food waste became a kind of a major kind of key emphasis for myself and the family about five or six years ago. Um, I think we started to see a lot of those same stats that you'd rattled off that 40% of all the food that gets grown gets thrown away. And if food waste was a country, it'd be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter. Uh, a pretty crazy problem to really have um, and something that I don't think that we fully understood and recognized. Um, but where we approached it, to your point about the size and the scale, so our background on our family is that um, we've built large-scale infrastructure now for about 30 years, about $4 billion. Um and energy, and then telecom, and having the largest privately held telecom company. And then my brother and I, about 10, 12 years ago, uh, when we graduated college, we wanted to work with our father and his team and use and focus that infrastructure capabilities onto what we thought was some of the world's biggest problems, recognizing that you can solve some of these problems so long as you're doing so at a size and the scale that can really move the needle quickly and efficiently. Uh, and so long as it's not only economical, but really with the environment in hand. Justin, what I want to hear, I want to get to the backstory. Um, when did you become aware of the issue of food waste and, and when did you decide to, to do something about it? Yeah, so my brother and I graduated college about 10 or 12 years ago and wanted to really focus the family platform onto sustainable solutions that could really transform the world and do so at a, at a size and a scale that could really matter. Um, so that's when we first started with solar 
uh, built about $500 million of solar projects collectively together. And then about five years ago is when uh, we started to dedicate all of our time, energy, and resources and our team of engineers and uh, business development onto how do we solve food waste and how do we build an infrastructure platform that can actually scale nationwide and really create the impact and the change that we all know is necessary. What do you do with this? So there's, there's food waste, our, our food that is going to be wasted. You actually get it before it's wasted. And so what, what do you actually do with it? So, so people have been feeding food to animals forever, right? For centuries. Right. We used to take our leftovers on our farms and feed it to our chickens. Wait, used to? I still do that. I have my chickens in the backyard <laughs> and I take my, my compost, which is going to go in the compost, but now I feed it to my chickens before it actually gets to the compost. So this is still happening, um, but but I'm not doing it at the scale you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this is still happening and uh, God bless those that are still doing it. Um, unfortunately, a majority of the population in the U.S. do not live on farms um, so, A, I think food waste is tangible to us all because we're all used to throwing it away or trying to repurpose it in some other way. But where, where we really centered on is exactly where the FDA and the food hierarchy talks about, where the maximum usage of food is to be fed to humans, the next maximum usage of food is to be fed to animals. So what do we do? We work with these supermarkets. Um, we actually provide them designated bins, one for the meat and one for the produce. Um, and they call the aisles. So all of the food that's just reached its sell by date, um, or the apples or whatever has fallen on the ground or two browns for consumers. They of course donate as much as they possibly can, because that's the best usage of food. But then we actually go and pick up that food that's kept in the cold chain. So this food is still fresh. It's still cold. Um, and we're picking up about 200 tons every single day. We have a designated logistics provider to do so. Um, that, that equates to about, on average, every two or three days, about 450 supermarkets that we're picking up that food. Of course, like I said, they, we maximize human donations first and foremost. And the next best usage of that food is to come to our production facility, where we take that meats and those fruits and vegetables. We uh, put it through a, a conveyor system to pull out any kind of foreign material. Thankfully, the supermarket's depackaged, um, so there's no plastics, there's no nothing in that material already, but we pull out whatever potentially had gotten put in there. And then we do a very simple process. Um, we grind up food, um, we pasteurize it at uh, about 160 degrees for 30 minutes, um, we blend it like a wine for nutrient consistency, and then we're actually able to dry that product that same day into a usable form for our animals the very next day, into a dried animal feed that can go right back into the existing feed mill infrastructure the very next day. So what we're doing, Tom, is exactly what you did with your uh, leftovers and fed it to your chickens out back, upcycling all this food, 200 tons every single day, into a dried animal feed the very next day. Do you have any idea what um, the 200 tons represent in terms of water? What, what did it take to produce those 200 tons of food? You know, so because it's not, you know, when we talk about food waste and, and, and solving the issue of food waste, you know, part of it is um, the actual food that is getting thrown out and not used. But there's also, you know, water that goes into it, the energy that goes into it.
um, from literally the time we pick up the food, saving that from typically going to landfill, which a majority, unfortunately, of the food waste that we have goes to, which, of course, is where it creates methane gas, which is uh, 20 plus times more potent than CO2. But we've actually tracked and quantified all of the carbon associated with the collection, the production process that we have, converting the food into a dried animal feed and back into the animal's diet. And what's so exciting is that all of that, when uh, you look at the third-party verification, actually creates a carbon-reduced chicken product. So you mentioned chicken. (laughs) So when... When you first um, started looking at this technology, obviously you knew based on on your your family's history that you could scale this. Uh, you know how how long did it take to actually start? You know from from when you create the technology to get to the process where you can actually start number one producing the feed and start to grow the chickens because it was it was a lengthy process uh, working with various chicken growers um, to come up with the exact formulas that you need to actually feed the chickens. There was a question as to whether or not it would work, uh, whether or not the chickens would grow. Yeah, well, A, it's taken us about five years and about $20 of our own kind of capital uh, to get to this position. Um, So there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of understanding as to from the supply chain, right? How do you get a consistent large volume uh, supply? Because to your point about feeding a chicken, it, the nutritionist on the chicken growing side need to know that the feed ingredient is coming to them every single day with a guaranteed nutrient analysis so that they can consistently grow that, that bird on a, on a daily basis. So coordinating both of those two kind of variables into a consistency has been part of this kind of magic that we've created, um, which is largely predicated on size and scale and logistics. Um, So over those kind of past five years, there's a lot of learnings as to uh, how much fat composition. um, Fat, of course, is an amazing uh, component of energy for these animals. um, And and what is the right inclusion ratios from that perspective? And then it got down into the the usable form. How do you you take food waste, which we actually call as food leftovers, 200 tons of meats, fruits, and vegetables every single day, And how do you get it to a dried form that can go right back into the existing feed mill infrastructure, just like your standard corn and soy? So the whole drying capacity of that was a unique development that took a couple years to figure out how do you dry this into a consistent form that then can be just put into a mill and, and, and and eventually a pellet. Really the exciting part for the first time ever enabling consumers to be a part of the climate change and the food waste solution, go and buy a piece of chicken and know that every one pound of chicken equates to one and a half pounds of greenhouse gases being saved and one and a half pounds of food waste being upcycled, all at a price point well below organic. We have now made climate change tangible to consumers. Continue your status quo, buy a piece of chicken and know that you're actually doing good and having a net positive on the world, not a net negative. And that's been the real unlock, the logistics, the processing, and then that unlock of the brand, owning that story onto the retail shelf and forever changing the animal agricultural industry. That's been really the the focus. We'll be back with more Citizen Chef. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'm Tom Colicchio, and you're listening to Citizen Chef. Today, I'm talking to Justin Kamine of Do Good Foods. His company is taking reclaimed food and turning it into nutrient-dense animal feed. So right now, there's a, a, a I'll call it a plant and a half uh, up and running right now. Is that correct? Yep. One in North Dakota, one in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, and then we're going to be building about six more of these over the next 18 months. Right. Now, I, I visit the plant in Pennsylvania, and, and this is not what you'd expect um, you know, if, if I were going into a plant that was processing food and making, it's kind of a, a like a little brown sludge and then it gets dried out. You'd expect it to be, you know, it, it's manufacturing, but you'd expect, you know, a lot of garbage, you know, food waste to be around and flies and stuff. This is absolutely spotless. Um, and what's really amazing is the truck comes in, it unloads the bin and it's never touched by human hands. It, it actually gets onto this conveyor belt. Um, it's like you built a better mousetrap. It's great. It goes on this conveyor belt and um, it gets it dumped on the conveyor belt. It goes into the sorter. And then the, the bin gets siloed off through a, a, we'll call it a bin washer. It's like a car wash, uh, but washes the bin, turns it upside down and dries it and sends it back out into, into the, the, the world. Um, and then the process starts. So let's go through the process. What exactly happens when the, when the waste comes in that goes on this conveyor belt? Yeah, so, so absolutely. So um, every animal needs a different dietary component. So we are able to, based upon the source separation um, of our bins, one for the meats and one for the produce, we're able to designate into um, our system the exact percentages that are necessary. Um, so we'll take that blend, um, call it typically about 35% meat, 65% fruits and vegetables. That's what our standard kind of uh, uh, diet is. We put it through a conveyor system uh, where metal detection happens. Um, and then we go through a series of grinding steps. Obviously, you're taking all this food, cellulosic material. You got to really grind it down to a, a, like you said, more of a sludge um, it's like the teeth. Exactly. Exactly. Just like what you and I do, right? We're grinding up a bunch of food in our mouth. Um, and then it goes into a series of tanks where we are heating it up, um, destroying any potential pathogens uh, that are there. Um, milk is heated up at about 165 degrees for about 15 seconds. 
we do that for about 30 minutes. Um, so of course, but we're already taking 100% USDA certified food fit for human consumption. So we already have a very, very clean supply chain. Um, that product is then blended, like I said, like a wine. Uh, so we have multiple batches coming together where we blend it. And then we're able to uh, screen out some of the fats um, to, to help meet various dietary needs of various animals. And then those that product, it simply goes on to a, a, a large drying system where we're able to dry it down to a pelletizable form. So it's very uh, simple. It's super complex. There's a lot of IP behind what we do and how we do it. Like I said, five years of development. Uh, but at the, at the high level, it's a quite simple process that's actually been around for decades. Right. So of the, for every plant, let's just say the existing Pennsylvania plant, how many chickens over the course of the year can you actually raise and produce from the single plant? Yeah, so there, there's enough feed for about 20 million chickens. Um, but that sounds, sounds like a big number, but it's not. That right? sounds like a lot. So here, I'll, I'll, I'll blow your mind and give you the big number. So in the U.S. alone, we slaughtered about 8, billion to, 8 to 9 billion chickens last year alone. And that's growing at about 6% year over year. So if you think about the solution that we have, we can go off and build... 30 of these production facilities and solve food waste nationwide. And we are only a small, small, small fraction of the overall chicken market, let alone to your point, when we start putting this feed into other animals, we are a small component, yet we have the most sustainably grown animal at the, at the price point that's affordable and accessible to all. That's why this is so exciting. By linking this to the brand, we can engage with consumers to help us solve food waste over the next five years, not the next 20 years. So you think by five years, you'll, you'll solve at least supermarket waste? That, that's the goal. That's right. the goal. Right. Uh, we, yeah. Do you think you take that a step further and get to the processing plants? Because, I mean, it, when, when produce comes in from the field, uh, if it, you know, the tomatoes don't fit in a five by six box or the zucchini aren't all perfectly straight and six inches long, it gets thrown out there. Do you see a day where you collect it from the, from the distributors as well? Um, eventually those will be bolt-ons to the platform. Um, we are after supermarkets first and foremost. It's uh, high value and high volume um, and it's more consistent. Um, but yes, then processing facilities will absolutely open up and, and will be a part of it. We and, and, and we're doing this to try to better the world and all of us. So as quickly as we can all help solve food waste, um, the world's in, in a better position. And that's also how we actually, we provide a lot of data back to the supermarkets for them to buy better and waste less. We're not trying to just solve a, 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 or create a solution for a problem that doesn't necessarily always have to be there. Right. And while you're also creating a good solution for them, because typically they have to pay uh, dumping fees. But uh, that, so that's going to go right to the bottom line of these dupe markets, which is, is, is a fine bit of business for them. Um, and then obviously, um, the streams that you're getting from the supermarkets, um, I would imagine uh, the do good chicken will be on those shelves. Absolutely. This is, this is what's so exciting by this, which is we're, hel we're helping the supermarket solve one of their biggest pain points and one of their biggest uh, complaints by their customers of what are you doing with that food? Of course, a tremendous amount of them have amazing give back programs to Feeding America, and we absolutely want to help maximize that. That's the best usage. 
But then the next best usage is not to go to landfill or composting or anaerobic digestion. This food is still good and, 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 and literally cold to human touch. We can cycle that. That's what we're doing. We're upcycling this food into a, an animal feed and creating this amazingly unique carbon-reduced story in an animal protein space that has never before seen that type of sustainability story. And that's why then the supermarkets want to tell this closed-loop story to the consumers because as you look at all of these um, reports coming out from companies like Chipotle and Sweetgreen and everyone wanting to drive towards carbon reduction or carbon neutrality, their biggest pain point right now from a greenhouse gases is their meat consumption. And so if we can actually create a system that is a carbon neutral, carbon reduced animal production system, we've changed the game forever and we can really create the next kind of ecosystem for the agricultural industry that we maximize the usage of our resources and we hopefully reduce uh, the destruction of the environment. What Have you received any pushback at all from any industries? Um, are, are the farmers that grow corn and soy, are they like breathing down your neck saying like, like you know, you're going you're gonna to interrupt the, the amount of, of corn and soy that we could sell? I mean, When we build 30 of these production facilities nationwide, we're only producing close to a million tons of dried feed per year. The chicken, the chicken industry alone consumes about 45 million tons of dried feed per year. We're still a small, small, small fraction in the raw animal feed space, but yet we have an amazingly unique sustainability story that is what I think consumers are really going to desire. We're actually nervous that as we start to solve food waste so quickly, the demand for our products are going to be so high that we're actually not going to have enough waste anymore <laughs> across the country, which that would be a fantastic that's, concept. That's, that's, a right? good pro- that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is a good problem to have. And there's still plenty of, of, of time to scale this. I mean, it's not where... Uh, how long does it take to put a, 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 a processing plant on, on board? Uh, it takes us about 14 months. So we're, we're going to be identifying the next six cities that we will go to. Um, we're making all these public announcements very shortly. Uh, announcements of Do Good Foods will be on retail shelves uh, come this January. Uh, we're very excited by all of that. And then uh, we will be building very quickly. Um, and to your point in the beginning, it's what my family's done. We've built $4 billion of infrastructure across the country. Um, that's what we know how to do. And we've brought on a lot of agriculture experts uh, to really then help build what we think can be the next kind of consumer product company that's actually a net positive for the world. When I was coming up in restaurants I worked, we would actually look at the plates coming back because we thought that if people didn't finish their food, there was something wrong with it. And often if we saw a half-eaten dish, we'd go to the table and ask if everything was okay. And sometimes they would say, yeah, everything is great. We're just not hungry. Sometimes they didn't like it. Um, they just wouldn't say anything. In fact, the restaurants that I worked in in France, if anything came back on the plate, the chef got really worried and concerned because culturally, it's a different culture, especially around food, especially after going through the Second World War. I had a friend of mine whose dad almost starved to death during the war. Generations of people that are just, uh, you were trained to really eat your food and finish your plate. If you got food on a plate, you ate it. I think Americans, we are really just a generation away from um, our grandparents, so two generations away from our grandparents who lived through a depression where everything was saved. I watched my grandfather fry bacon and then strain out the grease and save the bacon fat. 
And that's what he used to fry his food in. He, he wasn't going to throw that out. And food was much more valuable back then. And nothing was wasted. We moved so far away from teaching home economics. That was what home economics was about. Stretching your dollars, especially around food. And uh, we moved so far away from that and everything's become disposable and you want your food fast and it's not expensive, so throw it out. And yeah, we're just a few generations away from really honoring that food. And, and when you think about what we're throwing out, it's, it's not just the food. Stick around with more from Justin Kamine of Do Good Foods. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We're back. I know you've been quoted saying that it's insane that 40% of the food that we currently grow in the United States is wasted and added that the uh, United Nations states that there's only about 60 years left of nutrients in our soil to continue to grow crops. 80% of global agricultural lands is being used for animal feed or grazing, and 90% of our oceans are being depleted from fish. So the plant, is the plant, when does it go online, the first plant? It will uh, start to go online in September. In September. Got it. And so September, you start producing food and then another four or five months, five months before you see the first chicken in the, in the market. Yeah. So, so we're going to have to build up a little bit of a reserve as we just kind of start to commission and grow and, and develop the facility um, or turn on the facility. And then um, the chickens take their kind of growth cycle. Um, they're kind of 50 days to then get to the retail shelf. Right. Yeah. For, for anybody out there that's thinking like, uh, is this a different kind of chicken? No, it's exactly the same chicken. Uh, they taste exactly uh, if, I mean, depending on who cooked it. I mean, I, I did have a sample early on and they tasted great. Um, and you were, you were working in some of these early trials, you were working with the, the sort of the well-known chicken growers uh, that are out there without naming names. Uh, you could figure that out. And, and, and it's actually their natural diet. They're omnivores. This whole vegetarian fed chicken, they're just, it's just the marketing terminology to claim because it's still corn and soy. And corn and soy is not the chicken's natural diet. No, it's not. You know, the, the chicken's actually like a dinosaur. It's actually uh, the, the modern chicken that we have now comes from the jungle cock, which is a, 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 a bird that uh, was from Asia. Um, and, you know, I, I watch my chickens and they are, most of what they do, they scratch around and eat bugs. Um, even though I feed them. During the course of the day, they sit around and they scratch the surface. You see them. They actually scratch and dig and they, they eat bugs all day long. So, they're eating meat. They are, they are omnivores. Um, and uh, I mean, that is their natural diet. You're absolutely correct. And, and um, you know, when you – some of the, the, the – um, 
smaller chicken producers. Like I have a, a producer here in Browder's Burrs and they use the, the Salatin method of growing chicken. So they're not actually in, in houses where they're just getting fed. They're out on, on the pasture. And what they do is they the, the pens that the chickens are in are moved every day. So they have fresh fielded pick through and, and eat bugs. So again, that is their natural diet. And when they do have that that omnivore's diet, the chickens actually taste better um, because they're eating you know a, a more natural diet. So exactly. And and that and that's the whole focus here, right? It, it's to create a more natural solution, to create a closed loop system, a waste free system, and to also enable us to feed all of the world, right? In an affordable, accessible way that we're not having to preach to everyone, oh, they got to go plant-based or they got to do this. Yes, all of that is absolutely key and critical, but the size and the scale of what the current animal agriculture industry is right now and the size and scale of what the food waste problem is right now, we can do a huge benefit to society over the next five or seven years that absolutely has to happen. Meanwhile, a bunch of other solutions are coming to fruition and we're all supportive of that, but feeding the world and providing enough animal protein, which is going to be here. It's not going to go away anytime. It's just like oil and gas. We would all love it to, but it's not going to. And we need to have a more sustainable solution for the present day industry. People that want to just buy a carbon reduced or carbon neutral chicken um, as well to be a part of that solution. Um, and to, to the point in the beginning, we can create and use this process to feed a majority of our animals. And yes, we can tailor the protein and the veg and all of this type of stuff to meet the dietary needs or restrictions of various animals. But that closed loop system has been, a, that's the way nature intended to operate. It's just us as humans that disrupted that whole thing. Now we need to get back to that uh, prior time and make it now a modern solution with the right technology that adheres to the right government regulations and practices and adheres to being able to work with some of the biggest companies in the world to drive them to where they, they are more sustainable in a real tangible way that engages with consumers at the retail shelf. All right. So you're disrupting the disruption. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One chicken tendy at a time. One chicken tendy at a time. Uh, exactly. We hired a uh, an amazing woman uh, from Nestle, um, and then we hired some former Tyson executives and uh, some others to really come on. And how do we build the 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 brand of the future? Uh, and that means across everything from retail to food service to restaurants. Um, I mean, as mentioned in the past, there's a lot of restaurants that are now trying to implement carbon labeling. Um, Ole came out with, can their burrito change the world? And what ingredients go into your burrito and, uh, affect the carbon calculation of that burrito? Um, Panera has a climate cool uh, focus as to their carbon labeling. Um, and more and more retailers are really trying to talk the talk and walk the walk as to creating a more sustainable solution. They all know that this has to happen. Um, so I see this brand not only across retail and food service, but very much like Beyond and Impossible did, where they're engaging at the, at the restaurant level, where if you can walk into your favorite 
chicken sandwich company and go in and say, hey, do you want a chicken sandwich for $5 or do you want a carbon reduced do good chicken sandwich for $5? I better bet that a majority of people that are going to sit there and say, I can help save the world by just eating this chicken sandwich. That's a pretty cool aspect where they can really feel that they're doing good. Yeah, this is this has been a fascinating ride. I, I mean, obviously, I've had a view into what was going on over the last five years, and uh, it's really been fascinating. Really fascinating to to watch um, all the steps along the way when things started looking like, well, maybe this can't work. How um, you and your, your 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 dad, your brother, just really pulled together and just kept focusing and kept focusing and kept pushing it and pushing it. And uh, I'm, I for one can't wait to see that that first chicken on the shelf. It's going to be really exciting. Love it. I, I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Can this technology, is it better for the planet? Obviously, yes, it is, because you're reclaiming food that would end up in a landfill that would create methane. Plus, again, if you can put a dent in the amount of, and it'll be a small dent, but the dent in, in the amount of corn and soy that's produced, you think about all the petrochemicals that you're saving, and, and so you're hopefully reducing your footprint there as well. What's great about it is the USDA allowed us to use the word carbon neutral. Taking reclaimed food, there's no carbon footprint at all in creating this chicken. Thanks again to Justin Kamine and Do Good Foods for their exemplary take on solving huge issues that serve both the food supply chain and the environment. And thanks to A Place the Table, thank you for listening. Citizen Chef is executive produced by Christopher Hasiotis and produced by Gabby Collins and researched by Lillian Holman. Citizen Chef is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like this, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your favorite shows. 